how humans conceived mm -hmm. that they can predict astronomical phenomena mm -hmm. and why. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's really the recipe on how to create an antikythera mechanism. Mm. Welcome. AstroTalk UK is a not-for-profit podcast on astronomy, science and spaceflight. Launched in 2008, it's produced by me, Gurubir Singh, a writer based in the UK. I produce this podcast for my own education, but frankly, it allows me to meet fascinating people doing interesting things. It's primarily for my own education, and I share it as a free educational resource. No ads, no subscriptions, and you don't need to log in. For more, see the About page on astrotalkuk.org. Episode 109, The Antikythera Mechanism, with Professor Xenophon Musasis. I first came across the Antikythera Mechanism just over a decade ago. It is still the most incredible artefact from history. It is as out of place in our time as William Shakespeare using an iPhone or Vasco da Gama travelling in a speedboat. The Antikythera mechanism is a complex mechanical device that can determine the positions of the planets, the phases of the moon, and predict when solar and lunar eclipses will occur. Constructed about 2,000 years ago, it was discovered in 1901. Athens-based professor Xenophon Musasis has been mesmerised by it since childhood. As a mathematician and a space scientist, he's been involved in using leading-edge technology to reveal its mysteries. In this interview, recorded in Athens during COSPAR 2022, he starts with a short description. The so-called Antikythera mechanism is a very peculiar object found in a shipwreck that probably sunk between 60 to 80 BC in a small Greek island called Antikythera. Originally, the Greeks for centuries, as we read in the books, mm -hmm. uh, used to call it, believe it or not, tablet. <laughs> well, in Greek, of course, which is pinakidion, little table, uh -huh. it means. And uh, since I was a child, I used to go to the National Archaeological Museum, where it is on a very beautiful display. And uh, as astronomy was my hobby since I was 10 or something, together with mathematics that was the greatest love, mm -hmm. still is, uh, I, I had to stop really being mesmerized by this small item, uh -huh. one Greek foot, the same as the imperial one really. Mm -hmm. uh, that is an object with gears of the second century BC and with some inscriptions on it. In Greek, very clear letters, two millimeters their size, 
like the present-day capital Greek letters. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning of my acquaintance with, and uh, probably this instrument guided me as a child to become a physicist and then an astronomer. <laughs> now, I'm guessing that um, your interest in astronomy and the function of the Antikythera mechanism is what blended the two, those two interests together. What kind of astronomical functions can the Antikythera mechanism perform? From what we know up to now, we believe that we know quite well all the functions it had concerning the Sun, the Moon and the Earth. It has two phases. It is like a double-faced clock. And uh, it has several scales on both sides. Mm. The main function is to show the position of the sun and the moon during the year and during the month. For the moon, it displays in a very realistic way the face of the moon by a little silver sphere, as we read in the manual, uh -huh. that during the moon changes phases, mm -hmm. and you know, new moon, mm -hmm. first quarter, quarter, full moon, etc. So these are the phases of the moon, the relative position of the moon, the planets as well? Uh, for the planets, we are not certain but the position of the planets, the motions of all the planets, I mean the five planets they know in antiquity, mm -hmm. are described very well in a small compendium of astronomy that is written on two little pages, let's say, made of copper, uh -huh. again sized one feet, obviously. Right. And there you have all the details of their motions. So it's giving you the phases of the moon, the relative positions of the planets. What about eclipses? We are certain that it predicts eclipses, both of the sun and the moon. In fact, for the moon it gives very accurately uh, the places that can be observed on Earth. For the sun, although it predicts that in our, in this given hemisphere of the Earth, let's say, we expect a solar eclipse, we don't have and we cannot have with such a machine the exact time of the eclipse. But the day, month, year are given very well for both types of eclipses. 
Now, what's astonishing is that this device you are describing is at least 2,000 years old and it was only found about a or just over a hundred years ago. So today, if I want to find where the stars are, what time Mars is rising, when we will have another solar eclipse, I would use um, a planetarium software on my computer, on my tablet. <laughs> if uh, I was doing this 20, 30 years ago, I would use a device that in the UK called a planisphere, uh, a circular, uh, one circle on top of another circle, which would rotate and show you, depending upon the time of year, which stars are visible and what time they rise and set. Maybe a hundred years before that, it's very common in, uh, to have these orreries, these models of one planet with this whole moon going around the sun and you can have a model of a solar system operated by clockwork. So once you start it going, it would just go on and be consistent with the actual times, or at least the relative times, uh, of the solar system itself. So what you are describing is essentially a computer that operates with the mechanical gears to such a high precision that it tells you all these things in a very small device, small physical device. What size and what kind of um, mechanical precisional engineering would have been required to develop and produce and make this antikythera mechanism two centuries ago? Uh, to create such a mechanism, uh, you really need to have a very good metallurgical um, workshop uh, and, of course, a mechanic. And uh, uh, people at the time were very capable, and one could really file, uh, well, first of all, cut. A disc, let's say, that uh, uh, using a file can become a gear. Mm -hmm. But before that, you need to know the laws of physics that predict the eclipses, as they understand them at the time, of course. Mm -hmm. So really periodicities. And then to work out to program the computer, that is, mm -hmm. with gears, mm -hmm. with integer numbers, obviously, to perform the appropriate mathematical calculations so that the pointer that is associated with the turning of this or the other gear, mm -hmm. and an axe, of course, or a shaft, mm -hmm will show the result on a display, circular, or we also have two spiral displays, one for the faces of the moon, which in fact is the, we could say, calendar we presently use for Easter. Right believe it or not, mm. is already in the mechanism. And it is a calendar developed in Athens at the time of Socrates. Ah. 
the Greeks start, the Greek astronomers, philosophers, start uh, with a model of the cosmos that gives the position of the five planets, the sun and the moon, quite well using spheres one inside the other, mechanical. Mm -hmm. They take into account the diurnal motion of the Earth mm -hmm. around the axis. So the 24 hours, let's say, mm -hmm. the year that uh, a human sees the sun going around the Earth mm -hmm. during this year, uh, they understand very early in the history of uh, uh, astronomy that this model with the concentric spheres is not sufficient to reproduce the change of the luminosity of, let's say, Jupiter or um, Saturn or Venus, mm -hmm. even more. So they leave this paradigm of the concentric spheres mm -hmm. and they go to another one that uses addition of circular motions. Mm -hmm. So at the time of, let's say, just uh, of Alexander the Great, more mm -hmm. or less, they use this addition of uh, circular motions. Mm -hmm. The mathematics are very simple. Mm -hmm. And uh, even more important, they can reproduce using gears. Right. They know that the trajectories of the celestial objects, the planets, the sun, mm -hmm. and the moon, mm. are even they are circular, are certainly eccentric. Okay. That's why they add this extra circle. Right. And, believe it or not, today, our uh, uh, telephones, for example, mm -hmm. use exactly the same mathematics adding circular motions, well, sines and cosines, in fact, right. to reproduce our voice, to make our voice to bits and bytes and uh, receive it back and make it again the voice so that we can hear. Uh, so th they develop this beautiful method that in science we call Fourier analysis, Fourier series. Oh. And uh, at the time of the Byzantium, for example, they go from uh, two circles up to seven. So, so adding for right. the planets and so on. And uh, this is the method they use for the Antikythera mechanism. So, so it is quite accurate, hmm. in fact. So not thank, bad. Thank you for helping me understand that. So this mechanism can be built without the knowledge, or imp without implementing the knowledge of elliptical orbits. It can be done completely with eccentric circles, peers. 
the two, I mean, the elliptical orbit mm -hmm. and the addition of two circular orb orbits right. uh, deviate for the moon, for example, that we have discovered in the mechanism. Mm -hmm. And this was the first uh, totally unexpected surprise right. to find that they have a very good approximation of <coughs> Kepler's second law in the mechanism. And uh, probably they use the same for the planets. Mm -hmm. We are not certain that it had the planets. Personally, I believe that it certainly had the planets. But uh, th this is only an assumption based on the manual mm -hmm. and also on several ancient books describing similar instruments. And uh, so when you, um, so I, that's really very clear. So despite the fact that the concept of elliptical orbits didn't come until much later, the mechanisms that were inherent in the design of the Antikythera mechanism described accurately what was observable, so it worked fine. When you say the manual, um, so let's just talk about what kind of writing and texts is on the mechanism itself. Um, so when you say the manual, you're referring to text that's on the mechanism um, from the time when it was made. Exactly. So although we only have something like 20 to 30 percent of what we call manual, mm -hmm. because the rest of it hopefully is still at the bottom of the sea where archaeologists presently, in fact, uh -huh. and we are very grateful to them for continuing this. Uh, we'll find it and uh, give it to us to read it and uh, tell them, uh, tell you more about. Uh, the manual, despite the fact that it is quite fragmented, we know that it gives, as I interpret it, the laws of physics they use for the eclipses. And this, in fact, is very clear. So, 20 years before our uh, study, mm -hmm. I wrote that perhaps the mechanism predicts the eclipses and the phases of the moon, because this is, these are written in the manual, you see, and that part of the manual is very clear, so I could read it at the time. And when you say you could read it, obviously you read Greek, but this, would have, this text would be in ancient Greek? Yes, but it is quite simple. Right. It is close to the common Greek, let's say, language uh -huh. uh, that they use for science and philosophy, uh, which is based on Ionian. Uh -huh. because the first philosophers were Ionians. Mm -hmm. uh, even the Dorians, let's say, use the, sa the, the Dorian philosophers mm -hmm. frequently use the same dialect or language, if you, if you like. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really a, a scientific uh, 
um, let's say, dialectic. Yeah. And if you look back at the ancient texts, and many you refer to, that help to uh, confirm and validate some of the texts uh, that you see on the mechanism itself, are you able to, have you seen a reference to this device, the Antikythera mechanism, in ancient text or text from the time? Very many. Uh -huh. uh, in Latin as well. Perhaps the most important is a few phrases by Cicero in Latin. Cicero he had the opportunity to handle, to play perhaps, mm -hmm. with uh, two similar mechanisms that he calls spheres, sphere. Mm -hmm. And in fact, although of course the, 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 the book is in Latin, uh, he uses the Greek term sphere for the spheres. Uh -huh. And he says that they give the position of all the celestial bodies, they predict uh, celestial phenomena, mm -hmm. and the motion of the planets is not at a constant speed, mm -hmm. neither random, he says. So I interpret this that he really tells us that they predict these machines made by Archimedes, the retrograde motions of the planets as well. And we have similar texts in Greek. So, um, there's some descriptions of this device in ancient texts. Are there any sketches or pictures that you've been able to? Unfortunately not. Well, there are some uh, descriptions of devices with drawings concerning the design of gears using correct mathematics, uh, how to cut them, and even um, warm gears and uh, uh, gears that are cut at an angle. And also more complex machines, including valves for automata. Ooh. Now, automata, can you explain yes. what that is for? Uh, robots, let's say. Yeah, so this is the um, robots of the mechanical age. The uh, exactly. Yeah. And uh, descriptions of in various books, um, tell us about uh, ancient automata of that type. Mm -hmm. uh, in one of them, uh, a great mathematician says that this machine, mm -hmm. this table, yeah. mm -hmm. that you can now construct, as you have read already the instructions, mm -hmm. will give you the perigee and apogee uh -huh. of celestial objects right. at the right place, in the right time. Mm. And when I read that for the first time, mm -hmm. uh, before our study, mm -hmm. I thought that this is an exaggeration, that they could not make such, make such a thing. <laughs> but 
the Antikythera mechanisms proves that I was wrong. How small would a small gear wheel be and how, what's the dimension of one of the teeth, for example? Uh, all, all the teeth are around two millimeters or 2.2, something like that. So they are quite small. Uh, the smallest uh, uh, gear is of uh, this size. In fact, we have a crown gear, something like that, mm -hmm. uh, that has a, a diameter of uh, perhaps seven millimeters or something mm -hmm. of that order, if I remember well. And of course, archaeologists uh, and uh, all students of mine, um, Mr. Uh, uh, John Bitsakis, uh, uh -huh. so an, an archaeologist, of course, and the chemist of the museum. Uh, we managed to have a much better idea about the mechanism. Of course, as always, we had to read the previous studies. Mm -hmm. Well, the very first one is uh, 1902, 3, uh -huh. uh, 7, 10, nice. 20, nice. 7, 30, nice. and in the 30s, mm -hmm. they even constructed the first uh, model made of bronze. The X-ray uh, investigation allowed you to see inside the mechanism. Yes. Did it reveal any additional text, additional writing? We discovered a lot inside the rust mm. because as it was at the bottom of the sea, mm. <laughs> kept by uh, Poseidon, Neptune, <laughs> for 20-something centuries, yeah. uh, of course it has suffered a lot. Yeah. Uh, but with this method, as I promised to the minister when I asked for the permit, mm. we managed to read the uh, not, not only the mathematics mm -hmm. that are written in the gears, as I said before, mm -hmm. which is very important because then we know um, the algorithm and we know the programming of the machine, right. but also we discover parts of the manual mm -hmm. that otherwise are invisible. Right. They are inside. Right. The object. On the doors that open. Exactly. See it. So, <coughs> uh, what is the material from which most of the mechanism is made from? Is it mostly copper? Yes, it is bronze in fact. Uh, some parts are very hard mm -hmm. and this depends upon the percentage of tin used for. And. Um, the gears in particular contain a bit of lead. Mm. Lead has been used to lubricate the object. Huh. As we used to in our cars till uh, a few decades back. That's oh, very interesting. I didn't know yes. that. Yes. And very surprising. Yeah. And when you're writing with a pencil, it's quite smooth. Exactly. So I can see why that. Uh, that would work. I hadn't appreciated that. Are there any additional new technologies that you think which might reveal further information in the coming years? 
Yes, definitely. Of course, uh, first of all, I would like to repeat the cities because now the machine initially developed by Extec, a, a British company, an excellent British company with uh, 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 their people, yeah. Roger Hadland and his colleagues, uh -huh. and we continue, I'm continuously grateful to him and to all uh, the team that they came here and worked very hard. Mm -hmm. And this is CT, the CT X-ray mechanism, exactly. computerized tomography. Uh, today, in hospitals. They, they have developed a much better one oh. uh, that has a resolution yeah. that is at least four times better. Mm. You mentioned the um, material from which it was made. I can imagine that because it's so unique and so fragile that all of the investigations you perform are non-destructive in nature, have to be. <laughs> um, yes. Has there been any metallurgical investigations which might indicate where it was made? We don't really have for the moment. Right. Uh, of course we hope that uh, we have the opportunity uh, to study it uh, properly. Uh, I mean the chemical analysis, as you said, from a distance. Because there are now excellent instruments that can do it. And uh, these can indicate, for example, where the tin or the copper came from. Mm. Let's say Cornwall or whatever. <laughs> Quite certain. Yeah. Because metallurgy um, was very advanced already in the third millennium BC in Greece and in other places. And uh, I, I, if I remember well, they discovered that uh, the tin ha comes from England, for example. You know that the Greeks call Britain the tin islands. No, I did not know that. <laughs> yes. I see. Yeah. And they had to go there to collect it, right. to buy it, uh, uh, yeah. whatever. Uh. And uh, the same applies for copper. They, they, uh, collected from all over the Mediterranean mm -hmm. because the copper that was in Greece has finished uh, well before the mechanism oh, I and see. probably it has been recycled right. because that was very common in antiquity today as well. Yeah. Mm. I mean copper at times was more expensive than gold because it can be used for weapons and that, of course, during the wars, it was the thing. Quite important, yes. So the device, the mechanism was found uh, at the, in the Antikythera Island, just south of modern Greece, near, near Crete. Yes, between Crete and uh, Greece mainland, right. so midway. Do you have a, an idea from all the investigations that have taken place of where it originated from, or was it made in? No, no. we don't. Well, it was in in a huge 
shipwreck uh -huh. that, that I call Poseidon's Museum <laughs> because it was full of uh, antiquities taken at the time by the Romans to Rome obviously to be let's say the triumph of a general or to, to his um, Military villa yes, yes. <laughs> exactly um, we know that uh, there are there were coins in there mm -hmm. from Pergamon for example not only from Sicily even uh, obviously of a merchant or of a rich person that was in the ship there are also a few but extremely important statues made of bronze and several amphorae roads, coasts and other places so probably it had wine or olive oil from these places and it is certain that it went to these islands now Rhodes was famous for um, metallurgy mm. the Colossus of Rhodes we, mm -hmm. we know that it has been constructed there because they were very good mm -hmm. uh, so it might be um, from Rhodes we also know from ancient books mm -hmm. that a very important philosopher uh, who had his school in Rhodes uh -huh. and where Cicero have studied, let's say sort of postgraduate studies mm -hmm. we could say uh -huh. uh, Cicero describes a similar um, mechanism by Posidonius so that island probably had also a tradition in constructing these sort of things mm -hmm. now just opposite mm -hmm. in what is now Turkey was the city of uh, Tralis uh -huh. now Tralis was famous for the construction of robots automata of various types mm. and this is a tradition that according to the Greek uh, books mm -hmm. continues for more than a millennium. Are you confident that it was made in Greece and uh, traveling somewhere within Greece or was it something that was made outside Greece coming into Greece? Oh, it's the other way around. I mean the, the ship uh -huh. is a, a huge one as we said uh -huh. full of uh, treasures uh, taken from several parts of Greece, mm -hmm. we can imagine, right. and going to Rome, right. where Greek things were in fashion for centuries, mm -hmm. really. even uh, almost a millennium before the mechanism, uh, Greek items were in fashion in uh, Italy. Of course, the roots of the mechanism, uh -huh. the the concept, the, 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 the design, the blueprint, let's say, might very well have been to, by Archimedes. Mm, right. And it certainly had roots in Alexandria, 
Yeah. Where we have the library and the museum. The museum really means university. Uh -huh. yeah. It's the place where uh, they study science and philosophy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As I like to say, the best example of Pythagorean philosophy. Ah. And here again, by philosophy, you refer to modern day science. Yes. I mean, uh, when I, I had the opportunity to give the very first lecture to the students of physics at the University of Athens, uh -huh. I, I used this phrase, you will all become more Pythagoreans <laughs> than Pythagoras himself. <laughs> now they don't understand me, of course. Then I continue explaining. Uh -huh. Pythagoras, according to our uh, history, mm -hmm. is the first one, although I don't believe he was the first, but anyway, mm -hmm. this is what history says, yeah. uh, the very first one to say that nature can only be understood using mathematics. Mm -hmm. In fact, he, he used the term arithmetic, uh -huh. meaning measuring exactly yeah. with numbers. Yeah. We have this um, antiquator mechanism, it's in the National uh, Museum in, uh, here in Athens. Has anything else similar to that been discovered elsewhere, since or before? We can say that uh, there are some sort of uh, parts of uh, similar mechanisms. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is a sort of a part of a sphere uh -huh. uh, with a hole here that is eccentric, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, with the months as they are in the mechanism mm -hmm. and the months as we use them today, I mean the Latin months, right. written in Greek, uh -huh. Uh, with handwriting of, well, around 230 AD. So, uh, four centuries after the mechanism. The after. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the and uh, uh, what else? With the zodiac, exactly with the same names as in the mechanism. I guess that this was part of a celestial sphere uh -huh. or something like that because it really is like uh, a, a piece of a sphere mm -hmm. with the ecliptic, mm -hmm. with the eccentric, with the perigee and apogee right. of the earth yeah. properly yeah. found in a what they call Roman villa uh -huh. near Dijon, France. Ah. In many ancient um, houses mm -hmm. there, uh, you can find uh, numerous uh, Greek mosaics. Mm. So, so it was a place where there were many people and wealthy people, right. obviously merchants. And, and, and one of them had this mechanism. And another one, uh -huh. I have discovered, believe it or not, in uh, Reykjavik. Oh. 
as now, usual. Yes. <laughs> there I discovered in the National Museum of Reykjavik. Mm -hmm. So there are three uh -huh. wooden mechanisms in Reykjavik. Uh -huh. The director of the museum mm -hmm. told me that uh, these were made probably around 1780, plus or minus 20 years. Okay. Now, exactly the same thing, our colleague that helped us to read uh, the writings of the Nantikythera mechanism, uh -huh. Dr. Tsilikas, uh, gave me exactly the same date. You were saying earlier that the um, original site of the find near the Antikythera island is still being searched by archaeologists today. And you mentioned that the, the head of Hercules, the statue, was discovered there recently. What kind of research activities are going on? This is underwater. Yes. What kind of uh, research activities have been going on for the last... Uh, have they been going on for the last few years? Is it ongoing all the time? Yes, uh, for several years. And they have just started a five-year period. Mm -hmm. They usually go there in May mm -hmm. and September. Because then the, is the appropriate time period uh, for this time of activities underwater. The seas are very rough there, mm -hmm. and the, the light as well of the sun mm -hmm. uh, makes sometimes difficult for them to work, despite the fact that they, they are at uh, uh, a depth of 40 to 65 meters. Now, there, one can see uh, the remains of the ship that are of around 45 meters by 10 to 16, a depth of uh, perhaps a meter. Uh -huh. Of course, many debris, sun, sea cells, uh, you name it, little and larger stones, uh -huh. together and conglomerated with antiquities. And the actual ship was unique in many ways. It was covered, the keel, by lead. Very expensive. Mm. The wood is 14 centimeters and extremely well made. I just want to finish off now with a few things about you personally. Do you remember how old you were when you first saw the mechanism? Probably 10. 10. Yes. And did it have uh, any impact on you at the time? Uh, enormous, I believe. Right. I mean, uh, I like to say that uh, I have been mesmerized by the mechanism mm -hmm. because uh, I love astronomy uh, since that time. Uh, I even constructed when I was in the primary school a telescope ah. and uh, my mother introduced me to astronomy initially and then of course I started with uh, books. And, uh, so this mechanism, called at the time the astrolab, now literally this means in Greek 
an instrument that enables you either to touch or to catch stars. <laughs> So it was really something magic in my uh, mythical. Well, then I, I started with it, and probably this pushed me to become a, a physicist and then as an astronomer. And you I worked believe. on a lot of the missions, uh, space missions for NASA. Uh, yes, uh, our team at the University of Athens has a very long tradition mm. in space physics. And, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, work for uh, a few years initially at Imperial College at the then Cosmic Ray and Space Physics Group, as it was called, and later in the Astrophysics Group with uh, uh, Professor John Quemby. So, starting with the Antikythera mechanism at age 10, and then through astronomy and science, it's really literally taken you to the stars. Exactly. Uh, the Antikythera mechanism, in many ways, is the real time machine. <laughs> Professor Sanofon, uh, you've taken us through a wonderful journey sharing your experiences with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much as well.